Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflux Blue Show. I am your host, Donovan Beery, and I have with me today, I have Robin. Robin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Let me see what it says here. So, Robin Robin Fitzgerald, you are the Chief Creative Officer of BBDO Atlanta. BBDO is a huge, well-known agency. We're that just talking, is. like, you, you originally started at Bozell Worldwide, mm-hmm. so now you're at another worldwide place. Mm-hmm. Although Bozell is now... They're still here in Omaha, but they're not worldwide as they were. They don't have worldwide offices, I believe. But you guys do, right? We do. How many people? Lots how, how big of is the BBDO? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's it large. It fluctuates. It's large. Definitely in the hundreds of offices in uh, many countries around the world. In the U.S., there are several offices as well. Some of them are, you know, in Chicago, there's Energy BBDO. There's an office in San Francisco. There's an office in New York, Atlanta. Offices in Canada. Goes all over the place. Yeah, I, I have like 600 square foot in the middle of Omaha. Okay. So it is not necessarily <laughs> the same worldwideness. But, but but you were brought here because um, the Omaha ad Advertising Federation or Advertising Federation of Omaha. They move around. I like the Ad Federation. Otherwise, it says OF, right? If it's yeah, Omaha it's Ad it's, it's we don't AAF want that. Yes, AAF. That sounds AAF Omaha. American Ad Federation. Yes. Yeah. They have a great event every year. I think is this the, like they've been doing this a long time. I remember going to it when I was a student and when I was a young professional here when I was working at Bozell. So that was that was I've been doing this about twenty years, a little over twenty years. So okay. it's been going on a while. Yeah, Obviously it, successful it, it's, if it's, it's continuing. Meet the pros. Yes. And I actually came to when I was a student, and I guess I attended the one twenty-one years ago here. Mm-hmm. So it's we been, might have been at the same one. We might have. So yeah. We this is have. kismet that we're talking again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while. <laughs> what have you yeah. been up to? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of exploration and um, a lot of my career after being at Bozell. I was at Bozell right out of school. I went to University of Nebraska-Lincoln, College of Journalism major, majored in advertising. My first job was at Bozell. was there for about three and a half years. Got a lot of amazing experience, uh, worked with a lot of great people, and then we decided to try our hand on the West Coast, and I went out to L.A. And so most of my career was in L.A. I was out there for about 16 years, and I was at, uh, my first job was at a little boutique there called Robert and Hogshead, little seven-person boutique uh, in Venice Beach on Electric Avenue. It was all very exciting for me. From there, I went to Crispin Porter Bogusky, which was uh, exploding at the time. They just won. They had just done the Truth Campaign. They were doing mini. And from there, I went to Shia Day for six years and then back to Crispin again. So really, a lot of my formative and a lot of the, the work um, that I feel has defined me so far was, was done in L.A. And now... Um, I have been at BBDO with the whole BBDO network, specifically in Atlanta, for almost a year and a half, and it's been amazing. I'm just thinking Venice Beach because mm-hmm. we're we're here in Omaha, Nebraska, in February. Yeah. And Venice Beach sounds amazing. Right now. <laughs> like, how do you get any work done? Yeah, you know, your <clears throat> your blood also thins. I thought I was pretty tough, Nebraska girl, going out there and then coming back. You know, I. I I think it's 12 degrees today, and <laughs> it's you, tough to take. I think I brought two two extra coats in addition to the jacket I'm wearing. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, well, they don't even sell jackets for the weather here, probably in Atlanta. Mm. You can't even buy them. Yeah, it's can. pretty warm. You get a couple cold days. Every, the whole city shuts down. They don't know how to deal with it. But Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we got the, it was like in the negative 20s with the wind chill. Mm. Our, our pipes froze for the first time ever. I've never had to deal with oh, that. Oh, yeah. So, but we got yeah, that that's rough. That doesn't happen in Venice Beach. No. Yeah, no, no. 
other problems, drum circles, things that continue, you know, things that are other <laughs> things that are beyond your control happen there. Okay, well, you are. This is Meet the Pros two day event. It's fantastic, fantastic student event. They, it is, you know, I make, I, I'm here normally every year doing portfolio reviews. We try to we try to get back, but yeah. they have they have in the in the in the, the pro community really comes down for this. But a few years ago, they started bringing in speakers such as yourself. So you are the closing day keynote lunch speaker. What, what's the topic? no pressure? No pressure. Yeah, people came here only to see you. Robin. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. These but are I'm students. excited to they see that they make like thirty cents an hour. <laughs> this is like fourteen yeah. years worth of wages just to see you speak. I'm going to try to imbue them with as much inspiration and tidbits from my past, things that um, you know I learned that I you know failed quickly and recovered from. I'm going to try to do as much as possible for that to them. I love speaking with students. We have a lot of portfolio schools in, in Georgia, too, that I've discovered since going there, like Portfolio Center, Creative Circus, um, Savannah College of Art and Design is there. So I love speaking to students and having a relationship with them at the agency. So today is really special for me, too, to come back and share my experiences both here in Nebraska and beyond. So my presentation is, I've, I've titled it, You Are What You Make. And it's interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced this, too, you know, the your creative output that you is, is kind of a reflection of who you are at the time. I believe that. You know, you kind of start off in advertising thinking you know it all, and it's like, wow, the world, are they ready for me? I'm going to come out, and I'm going to show them this thing. And you may have this uh, cocky, overconfident idea that might not know how to be executed just yet. You know, and so you kind of have to learn the craft. But you have a great idea. You just don't know how to get it there all the way. Uh, you might be a little cynical at times when you get knocked down, and that's reflected through your work. You might have a penchant for technology, and you start to create other things beyond just films or print ads, and you and you want to experiment with making prototypes of apps. And it just, I love looking back at the work that I have done, and that's kind of what I'm going to do today, just a little timeline from when I started at school to where I am today, to just, it, it, it is a little bit of a diary of who you are. and what you learn along the way and how you evolve. And it takes a while. And that's, that's another thing I want to point out to the students today. Don't expect it to happen instantly. One of the pieces I'm gonna, or one of the people I'm gonna talk about today is Ira Glass, who's obviously an amazing storyteller from This American Life. And I was fortunate to see him at South by Southwest a couple years ago. And he talks about, you know, if you have a story inside you you wanna tell, figure out a way to tell it. Make it any way possible. You don't need a big budget to do it. And you have to make a lot of stuff before you find that your own voice is coming through because you don't know how to articulate it and execute it just right in the beginning. So that's what I'm going to be encouraging people today, to just make a lot of stuff, make huge volumes of it, and then you'll find out, you know, you'll get to your best pieces. And then you'll spend the next decade hiding that stuff and, and then <laughs> bury it, acting like it never existed. Yes. And then you came out just fully polished and it just happened immediately. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm actually going to show some pieces that are not fully polished today. Some stuff that was, I'm sure you have been through this before. If you're trying to get a, convey an idea across to somebody, sometimes you have to make a mock-up of it or a little video of it because you really want to show what it could be before you sell it to a client. And I'm going to show uh, one of those pieces today because I don't want to show. I, I will be showing some of the glossy finished polished stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I also want to show that you can get there, get your story out any way you can and it's okay that it's not that Super Bowl uh, spot-ready piece when it comes out. Well, everyone everyone has a different process. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked with the designer 
she, she's fantastic. Work was great. But it took a couple times projects working because I realized that the first samples that she would show were very rough. But she was just getting the idea out there. Yeah. It's because you have to explore it and see if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And then once once I realized that, I'm like, oh, these are, I'm, I'm just not used to seeing it this rough. But once that idea was out, then it was like, okay, this is the direction to go. Then the work just became amazing. Yeah. But it's like there's that phase in between, that ugly duckling phase, oh. I guess. Yeah. That, that exists. And sometimes you have to push through it or sometimes you push through it to a certain point. And then you're like, I'm just going to give up on it. And so maybe it's ugly because you knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> it was never going to be beautiful. Yeah. But and at then, least you know. Yeah. Right? Then you and know. So, once so you when you look, it. Yeah. So you look through your old files and you're like, oh, what were we doing? You're like, oh, what was that? And you're like, <laughs> it takes a while to remember. But no, you just quit working on it. Or, yeah. or there's a reason that it was just left at that state. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe you had that idea. Sometimes you look at it and then you look again and you're like, oh, I remember what I was trying to do. I just couldn't do it then. Or maybe I realized I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So well, this just sounds fantastic. I think I think it's good for kids to keep reminding themselves of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right back with Robin. Now, Robin, the reason I was so excited to get you on the show is I'm a huge fan of toys, and I hear you've been doing work for Toys R Us, mm-hmm. and we're down to we're down to like just I think we're down to just one of them in Omaha. There's the one in Council Bluffs. If you want if you want to venture out over there, okay. You've been in, do a store check. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one that was just blocks from my office, but that one's closed. But the other one's pretty close to my house. And there's a Babies or Us there, too, but I think they're merging them back into one store. Mm-hmm. They've been having a little rough go of it. Yes, they have. This is true. They filed for bankruptcy protect- protection in September. It was a bit of a long time coming. They've been kind of struggling with some debts for the past 10 years and trying to restructure their company a bit. So they did file for bankruptcy protection. Unfortunately, it was happening at the same time that we were launching a new campaign for them. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but so it is, it is uh, battling some negative press, some negative sentiment. Uh, we know that you know social sentiment at the time for them was about reached kind of its all-time negative high. It was at 59% at this time when this bankruptcy news came out. A lot of people thought they were closing and, you know, what's, what's going to happen here to this beloved store? Some people were angry about it, and we had to combat that with with standing for something more than just being a toy store. One of the biggest reasons Toys R Us has gotten into that situation is because of this onslaught of online competitors, right? I mean, you've got Amazon, where you don't have to go and walk into a toy store with your kid, and your kid is distracting you from just getting that one birthday present you went in to get for their friend. You know, you don't have to deal with that. You also have to deal with Target and Walmart, yeah, who can I, sell everything, plus toys. Then they have a toy aisle. I think, aisle. was it 10 years ago or so, um, Target and Walmart, because it used to be Toys R Us, they had this niche where they would do exclusives. So yeah. if you collected any sort of t- toy line, they had exclusives yep, only on a certain, Toys R Us. Yeah. certain figures or something. And then somehow like Walmart and Target started hammering in on that as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're kind of losing their, their true niche. That, yeah, that they and they had some exclusives. Have. You're right, like Target has some exclusives. And one of the things that Toys R Us could really hold on to, if you, and, and especially talking to parents of a lot of the you know kids, the kids in the elementary school age right now grew up with Toys R Us, right, and grew up with those visits to the toy store. That's something you can't get from Amazon, you can't get that from Target, that feeling of going in and having that dream that you're going to be um, accidentally locked in overnight and have to spend that night in the toy <laughs> store, everybody's dream, right? Yeah. But it was still, it's still awe-inspiring when you go in and kids go in to play and 
experiment and dream a little bit. And when we got together with Toys R Us, this was before the um, bankruptcy protection and all of that news came out in September, their new CMO, Carla Hassan, had already wanted to reset and get back to that feeling of awe when you go into a toy store and make it more experiential. You know, it was funny, one of the things she went on, on a store check and she saw a dollhouse on the third, third shelf. Uh, you know, yeah. no kid's going to be able to touch it. She's like, why is that dollhouse up there? And they're like, and one of the employees said, hey, well, if we put it on the bottom, all the kids are going to touch it and some of the doors break off and, you know, sometimes the dolls go uh, missing or, right. you know, they get taken around the store. She's like, okay, what's the problem with that? Isn't, aren't we a toy store? Shouldn't we be encouraging play? Shouldn't we be encouraging a little experimentation? And so um, her effort has really been to bring that into the store operations, bring more of that experience back into the store. Is that why in the middle of the aisle now there's just a Lego bin? Yeah. The kids can just exactly. stand there and play. And Come in and play. You don't have to, you know, it's not all sealed up in the box that you can't get a little, you know, try it before you buy it type playtime. And you should. You should be able to go there and have fun. It should be, hey, we're going to go to Toys R Us after a karate lesson. We might not buy anything, but we can go in there and have a little fun. And the insight that, that got us into feeling this was so important, it's not just trying to, to carve out a niche with the, you know, against the competitors. It's also really important right now when you look at how we as parents treat our kids. I think a lot of times kids come out of the womb and we already have, we're already building their resumes. What preschool are they going to go to? Um, what instruments are they going to play? What lessons should we line up for them? I don't want a minute wasted because I want the best for my child. It's all with the best intentions, but what's happening is we're overscheduling, we're overplanning our kids' lives, and any ounce of free time is said studying or practicing versus building a dragon out of toilet paper rolls and building Lego skyscrapers. And, and so bringing that back in and having Toys R Us not just stand as a toy store but as a champion of free play at a time frankly when we need it most is is what the brand is really going for and that's what that is the the whole impetus of the campaign that we have that we call Today We Play and I'm going to share some of that work in the talk today but it started or, off with or in this anthem. case two weeks ago it's fantastic fantastic presentation two weeks ago <laughs> Well, yes, you can see all of these um, online, and you may have seen them in September when they launched. We, it continued into a, a holiday campaign where you saw all these little creative, mischievous ways kids, kids played to stay in their good graces with their parents for the holidays, so they'd stay on the nice list. And it's going to continue in the spring. We also have activations that we did. One of them was, and, and all of these activations are to encourage that free play. We put an activation in the busiest subway in New York, Fulton Center. And what we did is we, we worked with Etch-a-Sketch and built a giant Etch-a-Sketch. It was about 10 feet tall, 6 feet wide, or I don't know, I'm getting the proportions wrong. But um, giant Etch-a-Sketch, it was big, this it was big. Cool. I'm, it I'm, required, I'm it was 6 feet apart and it required 2 people to operate it. To so go left, right and do doodles together and there were mazes. I can't even get my left and my right arm to work together <laughs> on one of these things. How do you get... Yeah, how do you work with another person yeah. to do it? You know, this was all, pe you know, people going by in there. It wasn't just for kids. It was for, you know, business women and businessmen going by and just to take a break. And we called it Etch Out Some Playtime because we think it's really important to give yourself that time off schedule to just kind of reconnect with that daydreamer. We're going to look for more activations like that coming out in the spring. <clears throat> we'll have a new, uh, a, a continuing spot 
that that speaks to this idea of kids needing play and that constant struggle of finding that balance. So, yeah, you got you got to teach creativity too. Yeah. So the most fun, leave room the, for it. Yeah. The thing I love about etch sketching the most is like shaking the thing when it's done. Mm-hmm. How how I mean how did we do that with a giant thing? Foot, like, uh, like, well, we didn't we couldn't let anybody shake it yeah, for fear of it collapsing. But we did have a but if you pushed it, it made the sound and it would. Okay, so yeah, so we did bring that. The retro feel, so it felt still analog, even though it was a giant screen. To not to give it away. Yeah, you, you got to bolt the thing down. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna walk off, but mm-hmm. you know, even if it is two hundred pounds. Yeah, somebody pounds. will figure out a way. To get it <laughs> and in fact, if you still want to play with it, it is in the uh, the Times Square location of Toys R Us right now. It's still up. Oh, so, so we moved it from it was a temporary location for about a week at Fulton Center, and now it is in the store. So you can go in there and play with it there. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. You should have brought it along. Would <laughs> that be like carry-on luggage? Yeah, I, would, I might have overhead? had to take a train. Or, yeah. I fit in the overhead. You just got to <laughs> jam it in the aisle, work on it. All right, we're going to be back with, uh, with Robin Fitzgerald of BBDO. So, so what's the what's the new project of BBDO right now? And there's hundreds of offices, but I mean, like, what are you what are you working on? Right yeah, well, um, in Atlanta specifically, we I mean, we're working on all kinds of things, but one of them that is near and dear to my heart that just we just completed in is that going to be weird? Oh yeah, we're 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 in the, we're in the back room of this conference center. The, there's the a drill. There's center. no. I'm not holding a drill right I've now. I've never been here. It looks like a new building. It's yeah, fantastic. They it... moved. They moved the location. I loved it. They used to have it at the Scott Center. You know this event. Okay. And they've moved it a few times. But yeah, I think was, it was at Embassy Suites when I went. That's lo and behold, a long time ago. Yeah, and yeah. I think that hotel's changed names a couple times. Okay. Too. But, but it used to be like. The last few years, it's been like five blocks from my office, which for me is great. Yeah. And this this one, I mean. It's like a 14-minute drive, so I mean, I gotta, I gotta mention, I gotta complain about that. <laughs> so not as far as, as it is from right. Atlanta, yeah, but I did. You know, yeah, it was a flight, I did drive but... 14 minutes to get here. Okay, so throw that well, out. Well, thanks there. for putting that effort and, out and, there. And, but when you're in the back of the conference center, yeah, there's always vacuums and things going on here. Yeah, they have a, they have a nice setup here. It's just that welcome to the vacuuming. It's been... You asked about uh, a project that we're working on right now, and this one had just finished, but we're, we're actually getting even more coverage of it this month, so it's, it's kind of hot off the presses still. And it's for an organization called Street Grace. And Street Grace is a nonprofit organization in Georgia. They're based in Georgia, but they have since spread out nationally. Um, that tries to put an end to domestic minor sex trafficking. Oh. And this is a really important piece. I didn't realize it before I had moved to Georgia, but Georgia yeah. is actually a hub for a lot of trafficking because they have the largest international airport there in Atlanta. Oh, So a yeah. lot of minors and young men and women are brought through and end up in situations that, of course, they they didn't want, whether they were brought in under suspicious circumstances saying, hey, you have a modeling career, I want you to come out and, you know, be in a film, and kind of the, the excitement outweighs what the real outcome is when they, when they get there, or they're um, abducted and brought there. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a horrible epidemic that affects uh, nearly 300,000 kids a year, minors, not all, you know, very young children, but from various ages. And, and, and your um, campaign is focused on that age range. It's not so. Yeah, it's around the, the teenage years, and and yeah, the minor to sex trafficking. So one of the things that is 
is most disturbing about this is that you would think this might happen in, you know, a seedy downtown area in, you know, you, you kind of imagine almost like a crack house type scenario where, oh, this is where this is happening. You could, you'd be able to see it, police can, can find it. But that's not the case. It happens in the suburbs. And a lot of, if you look at all the articles of where these sex trafficking rings have been broken up, it's usually at a house in a neighborhood that's seemingly on the outside, just this pristine place where a family of four or five might live, but behind those walls is where children are being held against their will, they're being manipulated, and they're being sold to people, to, to sexual predators. And it's awful. And so it's one of those problems that's hidden in plain sight. What we did to bring this to the forefront is we, beyond um, the traditional film PSA, we wanted to create something that really brought that feeling home to people, specifically to lawmakers, senators, and youth groups that were in the Atlanta area. So what we did is, is kind of capitalizing on this, this Halloween season where, hey, I think all of us have been through those haunted houses you go through and you go through groups of, you know, eight to ten with your friends oh, and they're sure. scary and the chainsaw guy's coming out. It's horrifying. We wanted to point out that what's truly horrifying is what's happening just in these suburban homes right under our own no noses. So we created an immersive theater experience the week before Halloween and we invited groups of, of, of these lawmakers and youth groups to come through and experience it firsthand. We had a playwright uh, we worked with and a um, a director, a stage director. We brought in actors, 20-year-olds who could play teenagers. We brought in somebody who played the um, sex trafficker and groups were brought into this home. It started, they were just picked up in a van and, along with some of our actors and you saw the life of one 16-year-old girl, how it turned from this promising role of becoming a model to what she actually endured, going down into the basement, seeing the drug use, seeing the manipulation and the emotional abuse. Afterwards, we took people, once they went through this 10-minute experience, we took them to a recovery room. We had counselors on site. A lot of people were very shaken about this because it's really different when you read about it or hear about it or see an article where it's removed. But going through it, pulling up to a pristine lawn in this cute little neighborhood where kids are riding their bike in the cul-de-sac on the other side and seeing what can really happen, and it does happen there, is highly impactful. And it's been amazing for the organization. Um, their donations have been up 55%, which is pretty incredible for uh, you know this one stunt that happened, I, like I said, a week before Halloween, but then we had a, an immersive 360 experience online if you weren't able to attend the live event. And um, beyond that, their initiative, they have a, the demand and, a demand and End initiative, which basically asks states to commit to um, supporting campaigns and um, cracking down on sex trafficking for their specific state. So that went from three states, uh, Georgia and surrounding, to nine more states after this event. So that's incredible because that means the policymakers were able to affect beyond and, and start going just out of the South. And, and I assume that the, the goal of that was, a large goal was just to get the information out there and to yeah. let people know it's aware because yeah. nothing changes if, if you can kind of hide it or you think, oh, it's, it's in an area that we're not dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 
this is a topic people don't want to talk about. I mean, no. I, it's uncomfortable to even talk about it when no, we're talking about it. Go back to the toy store. Yeah, I know, I know. Store. It's much more fun to think about teddy bears and this and this is people don't want to talk about it. They want to turn away from it. They want to think it's not happening. But when you put them through an actual experience of it, they can't turn away from it, and they're going to take it with them much longer, and it's going to have a deeper impact than than just a PSA. Now, obviously, when, when you, you know, took, took the job and stuff, it's not like this is what you expect that you're working on. If you work for the organization, you kind of know that's going. Yeah. But when, when, when a project like this comes into your, into your, you know, across your desk and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm working for toys and I'm going to work for, for, what was the organization's name again? Street Grace. I'm going to work for Street Grace. And mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, I assume that the work is rewarding, but it's also probably you might take that home more than you want to. Sometimes. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think you take it all home. Especially <laughs> with our connected lives, um, I think we're never off. That's one of the things I love about advertising. You come in and every day is different. Every, there's a new problem to solve or several problems to solve every day. And I feel like even though you know, I started as a copywriter and I've grown up and gone, gone through all the stages and I'm now um, heading up the creative department, I feel like I've had a hundred different jobs along the way. I feel like I've learned how to be a mechanic working on Nissan. You know, I yeah. feel like I became a product designer working on Method Home products. You know, um, it's that's that's the most satisfying part of it, and, I, and we are really lucky to be able to do that, despite the long hours, despite the not being able to turn off because people want to have access to you all the time, and um, especially clients, they want that relationship that they can turn to you. But it is one of the most rewarding jobs, and you're never bored. If you're bored, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, you cannot possibly be bored. I haven't been. No, and, and how do you, how do you, what, what if, what do you, what do you give, what's the advice that you give to students, like since we're at a student event, what's, do you have any student advice before we, before we wrap up here? What's the, what's the big one? Gosh, just keep making stuff. Get, get out of your own way. I think sometimes you want to, you want to hold on till something can be perfect. You don't think you're good enough. You think you're not going to reflect who you are yet. And I have to tell you, you're never going to be that person <laughs> you think you are you, you are you have to throw out evolutions and versions and just kind of keep getting better because otherwise you're just going to be stuck and you're not going to go anywhere you have to get out of your own way i think you know in order to make stuff you have to you have to be able to you know make at any cost sometimes that's putting yourself on the line making a little fool of yourself if that's what it takes to get an idea across and don't be afraid to do that you're probably not making as big a fool as you think you are no that's so. that's fantastic well robin yeah. thank you so much for being on the show sure and, and enjoy the the rest of the cold day yeah here. welcome <laughs> welcome back to I'll nebraska stay warm. for even if it is for a short time so cool. thanks donovan thank you the Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dustlab. Find out more at myspace.com slash dustlab.